Nerd Corner. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Down on the corner. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerd Corner, I am of course JD, joined by a very special guest, you're being special, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, our friend Victor Dean Hampstead from Hazard Comics and Just Make It Up and about half a dozen other things because he's the busiest man in the world. How are you my friend? <laughs> Good, I don't even call myself special on my own show. Well you can. <laughs> no, if you're a guest on your own show, you can say I'm a special guest. Sometimes I have been, like sometimes Grant gets real worked up, it's very rare. Grant is the placid one of the tours. Sometimes he'll get so worked up where I'm the guest. Just like, oh, really? That's so cool. And he'll ask me a question. I'll come in. And he'll keep going. <laughs> so I feel like forward. a guest sometimes. Like I'm, I'm the one with the computer and doing all the recording and stuff. I'm in this, in the garagely studio yep. as we named it, and I feel like I'm fucking playing second fiddle. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, yeah, we as you can see, we don't have a studio. We talk straight into my laptop. And today we're doing Alfresco. Alfresco. Pod, yes. Podcasting, sitting in my, in my out the back area while it's raining here in beautiful Walls End. Yeah. And as you can see, I've got my wilderness. Yeah, well, I, I did say that. Yeah, you do first thing we did got here. I've got <laughs> Well, funny you say that. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you saw the photos when I posted them, my four-year-old mowed my front lawn. Yes, I did see yeah. that. Yes, <laughs> I got halfway through doing it because I've been trying. I've been telling it for about six weeks. You're gonna mow dad's lawn. You're gonna mow dad's. He's like, no, that's a grown-up job. And I'm like, fair enough, just being a smartass. I got halfway through it. She comes out, Dad, can I help? And I'm like, Yes, <laughs> yes, you can. There's this tiny little four-year-old. So you partook in slave labour. Yeah. If she volunteered, though, is it slave labour? I'm pretty sure some of those kids in China would volunteer too because they've got nothing else. That is so what you've done is you've put your kid in a sweatshop. <laughs> she was outside. She was, was probably sweating too. She had a great time. <laughs> I actually first mowed the lawn when I was seven. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was seven years old the first time. I, I remember it because yeah. my pop came over to show me yeah, how to, to do it. Like it was an event. It was like, we're going to show me how to mow the lawn. Because, <laughs> I mean, when I say Esri mowed the lawn, she was pushing it and steering it, but I still had a hold of it, so oh, it, wasn't, of course, like, it wasn't just a four-year-old going, go nuts, I'm going inside I'm to watch I'm glad Guardians. you said that, because the next call was the child services, yeah. be like, hey, this guy's letting his kid play with blades, yeah. very high-powered ones. Yeah, they're going very fast. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's our wilderness, that's that's my slave labor story for the week. <laughs> well, ordinarily on the show, we go through, we do the list of the things that are happening, and but because I recorded sort of three or four days ago. Not a lot's come out since then. I did, however, receive a tweet from somebody who wanted to know who would win in a fight. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love this. Hold on. Let me get alfrescoed. Get, get your alfresco. Get comfy. Yeah. Go. Yeah, just, yes. Uh, there's a tweet from someone who wanted to know who, who I thought would win in a fight between Ursula and Aquaman. <laughs> Who'd that tweet come from, Vic? <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now, for our listeners, I didn't mention that I was going to launch into this at the start of the show. You just thought we were going to talk Marvel movies. I, and then you told me there is a correct answer. Yes. I'm worried that I'm going to get it wrong. There is a correct answer. I have to, I have to pull it up. Yeah. Because I, I, I did steal this quiz... From a uh, a website, and that's why it has an answer because it's essentially a popularity contest. Right. It's you. The, the feed is the images come up. So the first one I think is uh, Batman versus Hermione Granger. That's the first one. As in a fight. Yeah. So it's who would win out of these two uh, mental geniuses or whatever it is. And I would have thought in that one, Hermione Granger. She smashes Batman. She just. Obliviate. Yeah. Some of these memories gone. Yeah. He's not yeah, Batman yeah. anymore. Yeah, stupio. You're that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Nakedicus. Yeah, whatever spell 
Yeah, what it, Batman can do as much fucking prep as he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as soon as she comes up, he just goes, Obliviate. Yeah. <clears throat> memory gone. Yeah. Yeah, Hermione wins. Fatality. Flawless yeah. victory. 100%. Yeah. So it's a set, that, that's the type of. of. Uh, quiz? Battle, battle show? I don't know what yeah, you call it. Yeah, I don't it. know. What you. Um, Article? Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Yeah. Let's call it an article. Call that's probably fair. Yeah. But there, so it's essentially that's that's how the polls are done. Yeah. Right. Now I'll, I have to find the because um, I, I when when I actually I posed this question to Grant on the episode we've just recorded. Yeah. Right. And and that one hasn't dropped yet, has it? It hasn't. No. It'll it'll actually go up probably tomorrow. Um, but I actually Which by the time this up. episode drops, will be about two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's some temporal mechanics. So. I actually fucked it up. I said, who would win out of a fight? Aquaman and Elsa. Frozen. Right. And Well, that would be Elsa because she'll just freeze everything around him. Well, and look, man, Aquaman's just got to let it go. Like, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> what's his problem? <laughs> the world is an open door, man. Yeah, I know. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a snowman. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, both, we both have preschool-age children. We yeah. both know that movie oh, yes. far too well. Shit, yeah. Yes, okay. We definitely watched it this morning. So the question is, which yep. aquatic emperor reigns supreme? Aquaman or Ursula? Who is, of course... The evildoer from The Little Mermaid. Yes, there's actually there's also a fan theory that she's Triton's ex-wife. That would make sense. Yeah, just from the way she carries on and everything she does. Yeah, yeah, and and her whole thing is she wants his Triton. Yep. So maybe she wants to regain that power and his crown. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah, no, I read that. Triton has poor taste in women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, but, but would that would that mean that Ariel's Elsa's daughter? No, I'm thinking she's the whole... Like, Disney, second wife. The Disney thing of the Wicked Stepmother. Okay. I think they've, gotcha. gone, they've gone the stepmother sort of archetype without making it the archetype. Okay, I've got you. Because I'm thinking, like, um, Ariel and all her sisters are banging. Yeah. They're hot. And let's face it, Ursula, not so much. <laughs> Ursula looks like a combination of you and me. <laughs> <laughs> you and me when I had my dreads. Yeah, you know absolutely, I mean? yep. She's you and me, and Ariel does not look like something we would have spawned if we were to, one. To, yeah, no. If we were to merge some DNA, no, Ariel, <laughs> not so much. Sebastian, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Flounder. Oh. Such a wimpy kid. I know, right? Scuttle's the best character in that movie, though. Yeah. Or, yeah. or the French chef, who's just a madman. Oh, yeah, yeah. So welcome to the Little Mermaid podcast. <laughs> let's, okay, let's move on. The, so, yeah, question, question. Which aquatic emperor reigns supreme, Aquaman or Ursula? Go. In a straight battle against each other, who's just better? It's just who reigns supreme, but take it however you want. That's the ambiguity in it. Well, the ambiguity being, because Ursula's not actually the emperor of anything, it's a trick question. She becomes one, though. Briefly. Till... So let, let's take it from the time when she is So for that sort of 20-minute mark, yeah. that 20-minute window, is she better than... Let's have, let's have it as Ursula when she becomes hot. On the ship, and she's yeah, marrying, okay. and she's marrying, um, marrying Eric, yeah, who was also the voice of Spider Man in the nineties cartoon. Fun little trivia fact. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that cartoon. And my cat's come for a visit, as she invariably does. Um, well, look, the easy money would be on Aquaman because he's got the experience, he's got the lineage, he's got all this stuff. He didn't have to manipulate his way into getting it. And in the DCU, Aquaman is only second to Superman for power. Yeah, absolutely. So he's the second most powerful being in the DCU. That includes Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know, so and anybody that wears a lantern ring or any of these people. Yes. For sheer power, yeah. Well, if you're going sheer power, it's gonna be it's gonna be the Aquaman. But 
cunning and just being a general politician and manipulating people into following her, that's going to be Ursula. It's... Oh. So when I thought when I thought the question right before, because I actually did the quiz, right, and um, I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, for for smarts, like Aquaman's really powerful stuff. He just doesn't seem that smart. He's to never, me. No, he's, he's never, never the dude who goes, guys, bing, got a got plan. Yeah, As opposed, to he just goes, woo, 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 woo. he's a shark. Yeah, yeah, Jaws, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, you know, like now we're back on this. Then I was thinking, if he had Ursula's smarts. There's no way he joins the Justice League. No. He's too busy getting girls. Because that's what Ursula did. She tricked the beautiful young woman into doing what she wanted. Yeah. If Aquaman gets that power, he's sitting on his throne just women. Everywhere. Swimming around. He all can't get away from it. He's got all the... But then again, when he want that, because Mera's hot as fuck. Yeah. And he's hanging out with Wonder Woman all the time. True. Supergirl pops in. Zatanna's hanging around. Black oh. Canary's there. Man. Yeah. Fuck underwater. I know, right? Who wants to live under the sea? Another Disney one. Yep. <laughs> okay, give me your answer. It's better now, it's better. Um, I'm going to go with Ursula, because she's got the sink up. Who's Ursula? Yeah. Ursula by 66%. Yeah, right. The way... So, after I did the quiz, and I went through and like had a look at what the answers are, yep. I got a lot of them wrong, because I went Aquaman, because I'm thinking, he is from mythology. You know, he is yep. Poseidon. Effectively, yeah. You know, when you're talking about what the inspiration for Aquaman comes from, it comes from the Greek god of the sea. Yeah, which is You know? So, I'm thinking, he's got that lineage. Like, he is the most powerful man in the ocean. And even even though Disney thought up this crazy witch-looking octopus, she's still not ancient. Like, he, no. pre, he predates the written word in some places. The, yeah? The, the, the lineage of his character. So, in Aquaman... Obviously fucked up, and I went. Oh, wait a minute, this is a fucking popularity contest. Yeah, and then I, then I then that's I started it, getting them all right. Popularity contest that's because Aquaman's always been that joke. He's there. He's the most hated man in the DCU. No one likes him, and because it's because of the fucking Super Friends cartoon. Yeah, that's what did it. He yeah. talks to fish. No, he does lots of things. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Oh, hang on, my phone's ringing. <laughs> I'm going to fix that in post. Because <laughs> I'm like, Princes of the Universe, what the hell is this all about? Yeah, it's because of that Super Friends cartoon where they turn him into the joke and all anybody thinks is he talks to fish. So when it becomes popularity, and because she's from the Little Mermaid Disney, everybody's going to love her. Mm. And and they... Is it is a family guy who do that recurring joke about Aquaman? Like yeah. He's laying on the couch. Yeah. And he's watching TV. And he summons the fish. Can you give me a beer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fish is like, <laughs> you serious? You've pulled me in from this? He's like, yeah. That didn't do it any favours. Yeah. It just reiterated it. Yeah. Which it was supposed to be a piss take, but yeah. Yeah, no. I would... I would have put my money on her. Yeah, I didn't. I fucked you, up. You, you failed, son. Yeah, I, I, I got less than like 20%. Oh, wow. Because I, it, I didn't... It wasn't until I got to the end when I was like, oh, fuck. There's like 12 Harry Potter questions in there. This is a popularity contest written by a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the person who wrote that's listening. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch! You got done. Oh, big time! I got taken. Lucky I didn't put any money on it. I know. Oh, you don't don't bet on that sort of stuff. <laughs> it, it does not end well. Uh, All right. Well, before we launch into it, general question that we ask is: What have you been reading and watching and doing, and what's on your nerd radar at the moment? Before we launch into our <coughs> meat and bones. Uh, in terms of 
comic books. Actually, I haven't picked one up in about two months. Yeah, right. I've been really busy. Um, Moving and whatnot. Yeah, moved house. Um, and working. I've just finished off two novellas yep. that I've been writing, so I've been editing those pretty furiously. Yep. And I've got a novel that I'm shopping around at the moment, so mm-hmm. I've been dealing with agents yep. and publicists and stuff like that. So that's just really time-consuming, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. It has been there. But I have been... I always have a novel on the go. Yep. Like, comic books to me come and go because yep. it's so easy to pick up and just jump straight back in. Yep. Like, I just go and grab the last four issues of Batman the on the ground running. So yep. it's really easy to pick up, whereas you can't get halfway through a novel and leave it. You know, you don't have that visual, easy stimulus to As a, snap yeah. you back in. Because you've got you get yourself into that zone from building into it, yep. Yeah, yeah, especially when... You know, you read a book that sort of creates a world. That, yep. that makes it really hard. And I'm a big Stephen King fan, so yep. his stuff sort of always takes place somewhere in Maine. Usually, yeah. You know, and and all the characters are quite unique to the universe. He doesn't have a big character cast generally. Like, he didn't stand. Um, but, this, but again, because all his other stuff generally takes place... Fucking birds. Generally takes place in the sort of same universe, because you get the crossovers. Like, yes. um... Bentley Marsh and um, Richie Tozer yeah. were briefly in 112263. Yes. And things of that nature. And they're all sort of And there's mentions of, you know, when, when, when someone's, whatever book's got, someone's got a telekinetic power or whatever, there's mentions of the girl from Firestarter. Yep. You know, and then there's mentions of Jack Torrance. Yeah. You know, he's the most occurring character. There's all, like, a lot of people refer, in, in the story, refer to that old place up on the Overlook. Yep. You know, the Overlook gets a lot of mentions. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so at the moment I'm reading. Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn, the girl okay, who, the yeah. woman who wrote Gone Girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd previously just finished um, Mr. Mercedes. Okay, yeah. Which I loved. Yeah. His first sort of detective novel. Yeah, right. Um, I thought it was amazing. Um, and it sort of counter to a lot of his fans as well, like, love Dr. Sleep. Yeah. You know, the sequel to, to Shining. Um, The Shining. And uh, that book took a lot of flack. I've, I've a, not read that one yet. The last one of his I picked up was 112263. Yeah. Was... It, it, it picked up a lot of flack because it was like The Shining was so long ago that people were like, well, no, that that's up on the shelf now. Yeah. You missed your boat to do the part two. Yeah. You know, but he did it so well. Like, you know, um, Doc wasn't the main character. He was the catalyst, but he wasn't the main character. Yeah, right. You know, it was about someone else with The Shining. It wasn't just hereditary to, you know, him and the the cook. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, Dick. Yeah. Dick um, Halloran. Halloran. Dick Halloran. So it wasn't just unique to those two. Like, there are people with The Shining. And, around. Yeah. You know, he, he, he finds a young girl who's got it. She's much more powerful than him because he becomes a degenerate alcoholic like yep. his father. Yep. Um, but anyway, I love that book. So, yeah, I'm reading Sharp Objects at the moment. Really, really good book. I um, nearly knocked that over. But I watched Interstellar last night. I've not seen that yet. Is that any good? I wanted to talk to you about this because there's very few films that make me cry. Right. And I got to... It's about 10 minutes before the end. Yeah. And I was crying. It's a really... It, it's sort of like Armageddon meets what The Martian is. That I've seen. You know, so it's the whole thing of, like, the Earth's running out of resources. Man was never meant to stay on the Earth. We were born here, but we were never meant to stay here. You know, we all, our quest is always up. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all that and philosophical. It's, so the whole premise of the film is, we need to get off Earth. Right. That's the whole premise. So okay. that they, they, they don't bury the lead. It's the first fucking thing you hear. Right? And Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. He takes off. Yep. In his jet plane with Anne Hathaway, who yep. looks 
banging, yep. except for the short hair. Not a fan of short hair. Nah. I love really long hair. I'm the same. But Absolutely the same. She's amazing. She's a really good actress. Yeah. I really like her stuff. Um, I'm going to be controversial for a minute and say I liked her as Catwoman. Me too. In another way, film. Big time. I, I loved was, her as Catwoman. I thought she was really good in that. Because you know what? I liked her as Selena Kyle. Yes. You know, she didn't actually become what we know as Catwoman. She didn't become the master thief yeah. who wants to play cat and mouse with Batman. Yeah. You know, she was in that stage of like what I imagine in the comics. She was at that fork in the road where it was like, yeah, yeah. I'm a criminal. I'm a real good thief. But I've got this chance to go somewhere else. I'm going to take it. Yep. And we caught her at that crossroad. Yeah. You know, so I imagine if they'd done a fourth one, it would have been whip, full mask, yep. bit more sexy, bit more playful, because her whole thing is like, I'm going to steal this because it's going to get me on Batman's radar again. Yeah. You know, like that's yep. the whole fucking point. Absolutely. You know? Because I think where they picked up with her story, and we'll get back to you and tell her in a second, is in that third one, that was very much where she was, where Bruce was in the first one. Yes. That's sort of that proto Catwoman. Yeah. When he was doing his thing before he had the cow and he just had the Kevlar, mm-hmm. I think that's the similar sort of comparison to the level she was at. So the, all the unfair criticism, that wasn't Catwoman. You're right. You're spot on. She was an amazing Selena Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you, that's exactly right. We, both of those characters we caught at different parts in different films at a crossroads. Yep. You know, all the villains were always like, damn, we're already here. Yep. You know, and that sort of acts as the catalyst for why Batman makes his decisions because it's like, well... I don't do this, no one else will. That's right. You know, and I've got a pretty damn good reason to do it. Yep. So that was his decision. That's his, that was the whole reason the rest of those films existed. Outside of the point of like, we needed a Batman film, the reason Chris Nolan did it so well was he went, yeah, I know I've got Batman. I know I've got Batman. Just back the fuck off and let me tell a story. Yeah. You know, I don't have to tell you that the Joker beat the Robin to death. Yeah. You know, that doesn't exist here. Yeah. You know, this is real Batman. That's what, to me, like my favorite one is Batman Begins. Me too. From a nostalgia point of view, because it was the very first time, and we'll get into more of this with the the meat and bone section, but for me, that was the very first time where a comic book film went, this could be real. Yeah. This could actually happen. You get a few sociopaths, a couple of people with DID, and this is real. Yeah. Like, I've seen plenty of quote-unquote jokers at 2 o'clock in the morning on the streets of Sydney. Yeah. I've seen plenty of dudes that, are, that have schizophrenia. Yep. Plenty of them. They yep. could all be the Joker. Yeah. You know? Because if he's got a military background, he knows how to blow shit up. It's, it, 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 Chris yeah. Nolan made it a plausible leap. That's that, I think that's why I really like the first one. Yeah, Because it did have that level of, you know what? Yeah, maybe. Mm. It's a stretch, but in a world of infinite possibilities... This is possible. Yeah, but we'll come back to the the movie stuff in a sec, the DC. We've gone on a tangent, because that never happens on this show. (laughs) Or yours. (laughs) Uh, Interstellar. Anne Hathaway, they're fucking living on a jet plane, singing John Denver. Yeah, they're they're love and life, right? They don't really like each other. They're both scientists, um, and so there's a little bit of back and forth with them, but not in a, like, playful OU way. So they didn't do the standard trope of we're going to pretend to hate each other and fall in love at the end. No, no, no. It was my scientific brain, my, my scientific dick is bigger than yours. Okay, cool. You know, and they basically sword fight the whole time. Oh, I like it. Yeah. <coughs> and um, trying to do this without spoiling for you because you have to watch this film. Yeah. So skip the guts, right? Yep. It's, um, like I said, Armageddon. It's Armageddon. So they go somewhere else. They land. Something bad happens. They have to overcome. Will they overcome? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but then the whole film, so it takes this turn where it stops being about saving the human race and it becomes a, a comment on the idea of time. Okay. Is time linear? Is time relative? 
you know, is it a flat disc that spins round and round? Yeah, right. Can you go back and forth through multi-dimensions? Is there a fourth and fifth dimension? Blah, blah, blah. It actually becomes really about relativity. Right. It gets, it, 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 it really just unzips this monster and it's just like, what? Holy shit. And the whole underlying tone is that Matthew McConaughey is essentially the smartest man left on Earth. Right. Because we're in a, like almost like a post-apocalyptic or like imagine... The start of an apocalyptic. Imagine the world being like 2030. Yep. But we don't have any extra technology because in 2015, we burned out our resources. Okay. So we still got our MacBooks, but in 2030, it's the MacBook from 2015. Yeah, right. right? So we've got this and there's you know chronic dust storms and they're losing all these crops because the world doesn't have the ability to sustain it anymore. Their world is dying. Yeah. And... Which is an interesting comment in and of itself. Exactly right. It, it, and and they, they approach it from a point of view of like, not this catastrophe made the world happen. It was, no, this is the world. Yeah. This is this is our jumping off point. We're telling you that the world is fucked. Yeah. And now we're going to tell you where we're going to go. Yeah. You know, but through the whole thing, is Matthew McConaughey is the smartest man left on Earth. He's a former NASA pilot who's a scientist, who they, obviously they always are. Yeah. Um, who has... Except when it was Bruce Wilson, he was a... Oil digger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, we're not talking about that again. Yeah. And um, he has two kids. Right. Their, their mother died. Um, there's a lot of um, respiratory infection in this world because it's all dust. Yep. There's no rain. Yep. So there's a lot of breathing in dust. And a lot of people die from clogged lungs and stuff like that. Yeah. His wife dies. This is all in This is all in the first 10 minutes, so I'm not giving any of Okay, cool. Um, so this is all just preparatory. Th- this, is, this is all setting you up to be like what Matthew McConaughey's fork in the road, do I go and save the world or do I stay and die with my kids? Right. You know? Um, because once time becomes relative, it's like when I'm off in the fifth dimension, an hour in the fifth dimension is 20 minutes in your time. Yeah. So when I come back, you're 50. Yeah. I'm still 30. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, it, it, it's it, that it, whole time dilation effect. It, it gets into that relativity thing. And the whole the whole time is always like his kids. Because he is in a world where it's like we have no time. If it if it takes us ten, if it takes us an hour here, that's ten years back on Earth. Earth may not exist in ten years. We don't have that kind of time, right? And his whole thing is like they're always rushing. He's got to get. He's got to save the world to keep his kids alive. Yeah, and but he doesn't know if there's a world to save. That's right. But that back on really Earth, I should watch this thing. So back on Earth, time is moving, but it's very slow, obviously, because yeah. they do this linear thing of like when the, when the film starts, the girl, his daughter, is like eight. Yep. When it cuts back, she's thirty. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? But it's like been 25 minutes from McConaughey. Yep. He's still like, fuck, come on. Yep. You know? No it's, time to dick around. No, there's no, there's no fucking around. And he, that, that's, that's the whole driving force of the, of the film is it's like, he's got to save the world, but he's got to save his kids. Yeah. And it, it's a brilliant film, man. You have to watch it. Yeah, right. Because I've heard a lot of mixed reviews for it. It's not a great movie. But it's... But for story. Yeah. Like, in terms of a space epic... Go and watch... What's that one with Halle Berry? Um, X2. No. <laughs> Gravity. Oh, Did you yeah. Gravity? Uh, no, that was Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Oh, that's right. I don't know how I fucked those two <laughs> up. Yeah. That, that was really bad. Yeah. Sorry. Um, that's it. I quite like you know, that. You, you want to go and watch a space epic? Go and watch Gravity. Go and watch fucking Star Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a space epic. This is a story about a father and his children. It just happens to have science fiction elements to yeah, it. Yeah, that's all it is. And that's the best way to do genre stuff. Yes. And when we get into it, that's I'm going to do a big point on that's why I like the Winter Soldier so much. Okay. We'll come back to that. But yeah, so, um, and I've been, 
as I said, just writing a yeah, lot. Writing everything. And so I go through I go through stages in my writing where I'm being ultra creative. Yep. Like I've got a project on the run and I've got a notebook full of ideas that yep. I'm getting onto next. Yep. And then I get to a point where I have to put a huge pin in it and be like, no, you need to go back and edit now because yep. you know, if you want to just keep writing shit that no one's ever gonna see, keep writing shit no one's ever gonna see. Yep. But if you want to get it out there, you have to go back, yep. polish it, rewrite it, polish again, rewrite it. That's what, happened, that's what happened to me when I finished my book a couple of years ago. I'm like, right, that's done. Let's move on to something new. Mm. While I keep tinkering with it, like, then I twigged, no. I don't care that you've done 30,000 words on your next project. That's going to be shit. Go back and do the other one first. Yes. So I've been pretty deep into that. I'm, I'm like maybe 150 pages on my manuscript from being done. Right. I'm on my fourth draft. Yep. And that's it. Yeah. So, you know... Because it reaches the point that if you keep dicking with it, you're going to be George Lucas. Yeah, you can't... Ah, catch, scratch me. <laughs> ah, claws. Yeah, she's good at that. <sighs> Sorry, darling. Um, yeah, it reaches a point where it's like, you know, you're inevitably going to miss a comma. Yeah. You will miss a capital letter, but that's what copy editors are for. Yep. You know, you just have to hand them something polished. Yep. And... You know, they will go through and say, oh, we don't like that character name. Yeah. You know, we don't like Dave. Call him Steve. And you're like, okay. we tested Steve. It works better. You yeah. know, like I've, I, I've had, I've got a couple of things coming up where I've been dealing with editors and that exact thing has happened to me. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we don't like her being a woman. Let, let's make her a guy. It's like, can he be a gay guy? Yeah. Make, just, we don't care. Just make him a guy. And you're like, it works better. You know, flip your characters over. You know, which is a bit, pretty big edit. That's a pretty that's cool a, thing to a story. That's, yeah. But, well, that's actually what I'm doing, as, as I said to you before we started recording. That book project that I did, I'm now converting to cost to do a comic project. Mm. And I'm actually going to gender, gender swap one of the roles to go from male to female and amalgamate three other characters that work great in a 130,000 word mm. novel. But if you're doing it in a comic, those three characters that all do effectively the same thing can be the same person. Yeah. So for me, like my, my characters, whenever I write something, are really personal to me. My yeah. characters exist in my yeah, head. Yeah, I'm the same way. And every single one of my characters is a statement about someone or something. Yep. None of my characters by accident. Even the ones that you meet in a gas station in, bum, in the back of nowhere. Yeah. Every single one of them is someone. Yep. You know, and they're all a statement about something, whether it's, you know, homosexuality, discrimination, racism... Um, you know, humans being sheep and whatever. Yep. But none of them are very gender specific. So okay. from inspiration they are. Like I, I see a woman or a man or I meet a woman or a man and like I'll put them in something. Yeah. When I see them, I see that person that inspired me. But in this one particular story that I did a gender swap, it wasn't of the main character. So I was cool with it. Yep. It was a supplementary character. It was like, just make, just change her name. We don't want to change anything in the story. Grammar's perfect. Yep. For the first time ever. <laughs> you know, like, just make that guy, just make that woman a dude. Yep. It will work better. Like, we get what you're saying, but what we're saying is, from a reader's point of view, that point is stronger from a man. Okay. You know, and I was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Yep. Like, I'm not one of these dudes who's like, I need a strong feminine character. I need a masculine man. I don't give a shit. My people are real people. Yeah. You know, they're not. They're not like, oh, no, she needs to be a strong heroine and everything else around that doesn't matter. It's like, no, I'm the opposite. Yeah. Everything else matters and if she becomes a strong heroine, awesome. But you also have to remember there's no such thing yeah. as a strong heroine or a strong masculine character. They're all flawed. Yeah. Every single fucking one of them. Well, that's exactly, I get the same way with, again, project I worked on. 
I've got this female character that goes through this massive arc, but that could just as easily be a dude that goes on the same journey. Yeah. Because she's sort of second gen- second or third generation of this operation that she works in, mm. and her mother's died when she was younger, and she blames herself and all this other crap. That could be just as easily switched yeah. being a male character. Yeah. There is nothing about it that says that has to be a mother-daughter relationship. Mm. I just did it because my other main protagonist is male. Mm. So I just did a counterpoint. And there's no love story there, they just... I yeah. just wanted one of each. Yeah. Because I think it's more interesting that way. Yeah. I wrote a uh, I wrote a gay love scene. Right? Yeah. And that was interesting. Yeah. Um works really well in the story though. I bet it does. I can't I can't wait for that. That one is actually something is gonna happen with that one. I can't wait for that one to Beautiful. go. Because it's gonna be it's gonna be quite controversial, I think. Like I've I've written a few controversial things on my website yep. that get me um, get me quite a bit of flack. I was reading one of those which I'm not going to talk about on the show. We'll have a chat about it later. I read one of those, and that was really interesting. Yeah, so I I, I write a few things that, that rub, a pe- rub people the wrong way, but you know, I stand by what I write. Yeah. And I'm really I'm really looking forward to, to catching some flack from that one. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, it should be should be interesting. So how was that as a as a straight man yourself writing a gay love scene? Oh, it was fine, man. I'm 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 ultra liberal, hey. Yeah. Like I'm I'm ultra liberal. Like I'm. I'm one of these dudes who's like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I don't care who you're having sex with. Yep. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Like, it really doesn't. You know, like, I've got friends that are gay. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I know, I know women who are gay. I know dudes that are gay. I know black dudes. That are gay. I know Chinese guys. Yep. You know, like, it, it, it doesn't matter to me. Yep. I don't care who has sex with who. You're like, you know, something that when, when you're talking being liberal to me that always resonates in my mind is it's always like, your parents have sex. Your parents put their genitals together and climax. At one point, yeah. You know, that's reality. Yeah. You know, so the, the second that you accept that, it's like, okay. So two people that I grew up with and I see and... Yeah. The second you get past that shutter of like, yeah, of course they have sex. Why wouldn't they? Sex feels awesome. Well, that's right. <laughs> well, similar sort of point to that. I'm reaching that point in my, my early 30s now. Well, I remember my mother being this age mm. from when I was in high school. Yeah. And I start thinking about the things that are going on in my life that my kids don't have any idea about. Yeah. And I think to myself, what the hell was going on in this woman's life? Yeah. At my age. Mm. And I'm like, it blows my mind. Oh, she's definitely having sex. Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> I mean, she was single mum the whole way through, but I'm sure there was someone going. So was mine. Yeah. You know? Like, so was mine, definitely. And like that's that, that's what I mean. So, like, writing that scene was literally just two people bumping ugly. So, yeah. You know, like, it, it was... It was a bit more than that, but that was part of the story. Yeah. But essentially, it was literally like writing a normal love scene. Yeah. It just, instead of having one going into the other, it was one turning around and going into the yeah, other. Yeah, right You know, like, it's, I, I'm, I mean, you listen to, to, to our show. I like, do. You know my thoughts on stuff like that. It's just like, it's it's not a conversation we should even be having in this century. No. Well, I mean, more a case of the sheer lack of a frame of reference more than anything. Yeah. Like was it, what I was thinking, how did... How was that compared to... Oh, I just watched some gay porn. Yeah, right, huh? Yeah, no, li- seriously, like, I, I literally just watched some gay porn. Okay, I thought that might have been... Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, it's, it's, like, I, I use, if, if I was in America, I would have been arrested by now from my research, <laughs> 100%, <laughs> like, I, <coughs> I tweeted this a little while ago, um, <laughs> I I remember and, it, this. and it got quite a bit of, quite a bit of love on the, uh, on the M writing feed. Oh, I love that feed for yeah. all the wrong reasons. Yeah, right? And someone sent me this picture of like, you know, the NSA knows who you are. And it, I laughed. I was like, <laughs> but then I was like, if I was in America, this, that might be true. Like I, I, um, for the manuscript that I'm doing at the yep. moment, 
there's quite an elaborate explosives scene. Okay, yeah. To the point where, like, I describe the inner workings of an IED and a pipe bomb. Yep. And, and you've had it, to Google all this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, found a lot of the materials of stuff. Like, I actually went out and looked for materials. Like, yep. can I find this? Like, is it credible if I write that it's easily available? You know, like, is there substitutes? Can I, can I substitute nitroglycerin for this or whatever? You know, so I did quite a lot of research. Yeah, right. And I did the same thing for this scene. I was like, I, you know, do... It sounds so weird to say because it's it almost sounds homophobic, but it's not. It's like, do they make love the same way that we do? Yeah, and not to say like that's them and us, but it's like, well, the mechanics I, are different. Yeah, I don't have sex with a man. Yeah, so I don't, don't know, know how to have sex with a man. So how do I write this? Yeah, you know. So I yeah, just watch some gay porn. Yeah, right. Yeah, not a lot, but like, enough to get an idea that you can extrapolate. Enough from. to get me to where I needed to be. <laughs> Take that however you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was I was very much the same when I was working on my first and second projects. I did a lot of a lot of research into modern weaponry, yeah. like a lot of military based sort of stuff. Because without them going into the nuts and bolts of it, that's a lot of what mm. I was dealing with. So yeah, it was the same thing. Like, does this weapon shoot at the same firing rate as this? Does this have this? Yeah, mm. exactly the same thing. I actually sat down with. Um, so I mean, I keep alluding to it. I can say my my manuscript is essentially about what would happen in Paris. After you remember the Charlie Hebdo attacks, yep. so what would have happened in Paris if um, the Parisians did what they did in the French Revolution and just went, "This is not acceptable," yeah, and shut the city down? Yeah, right. That essentially is what it is. It's <coughs> it's almost like a dystopian mystery thriller. Oh, so there's a main character, yep, but there's several supplementary characters who are equally as important. And I write from different points of view. Yeah, right. Every character has their own sort of chapter and I bounce around and yeah. back and forth and, you know, flashbacks and stuff like yeah. that. And it's set 15 years in the future, mm-hmm. but almost in the way of Interstellar, of like, we are 15 years in the future, but technology stopped. Yeah. We are in, the city gets walled off. Oh, wow. So the, the, the borders of the, the city limits of gay Paris yeah. are walled off and everyone inside is trapped. Right. And this small sort of political faction rises up mm-hmm. to, because, you know, anarchy doesn't work. You know, and we're not talking like V for Vendetta anarchy. Like, anarchy is actually a political movement. Yeah. There are people out there who actually are anarchists, and their only thing is, anarchy is all about being able to govern yourself. Yeah. It's not about blowing shit up. It's not about what you think of as anarchy. No, that's militant anarchism. Yeah. You know, it's the same way. It's it's almost the same as things like religion, like Islam and fundamentalism. Yep, Islam is one of the most peaceful religions on earth, mm-hmm. second to fucking Buddhism. Yeah, They're, they are a very non-confrontational race, but they have a, a militant sect that just take that shit way too far. It's the same as the Christians in the West Westboro Baptist Church. Hundred percent. Everyone has them. Yeah, you know, even the ascetic Jews have them. The gays have them. There's a gay mafia. What? <laughs> Do you know about this in America? No. There's a gay mafia. Oh. Okay, you know what I'm doing right <laughs> don't you? Yeah, get on that I've shit. I've never heard of this. There's a gay How mafia. I missed that. I yeah. just assumed it was like a euphemism for the gays that are all this... No, there's a gay mafia. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's my new was blown. <laughs> that's, that's my day done. So the story is about what would that world be like? 
you know? Fascinating is what it sounds yeah. like. And how how do people live in this world? And obviously there's a catalyst and there's a, there's a point we need to get to. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think I can give out the title yet yeah, because it's fine. talking to a few people about yep, it at the moment. Right. So it's essentially about, you know, what what's going to happen in this world. And yeah. it, it, it is very much the world we're in now. It's just if you if you put a if if you put us in a bubble, mm-hmm. lifted us up and moved us fifteen years in the future, that's it. Yeah. So it's not like you know cars are floating and there's fucking hoverboards. There's none of that shit. Yeah, I was no say, science it, fiction. It's not like the Back to the Future jumps. I'm not a science fiction guy. I've never been a science fiction guy. My science fiction starts and stops at Star Wars. Yep. That's it. Yep. I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've never watched an episode of Star Trek. Yep. Ever. I. Loved Guardians of the Galaxy for what it was. Yep. It was a comedy. Yeah. I didn't look at it as a science fiction film. Well, it was a science fiction second. Yeah. And we'll get to that as well. Yeah. (coughs) But, so I I, I couldn't do it justice by making it a sci-fi book because I don't read sci-fi. Yeah, so you don't know what does and doesn't work. I don't know anything. Like, anyone will tell you when you want to write something, the only way to be a good writer is to be a voracious reader. Yep. It's the only way to do it. There is no, no professional writer in this world doesn't read. Yeah. None of them. Even, Stephen King even reads his own shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he goes back and reads Carrie. Yeah. He will pick it up and just chew through that in a couple of hours. Yeah. You know, when he's got, when he's finished all the books he owns. Yep. You know, it's bookstore or one of my things. Fuck it, I'll read one of my things. Yeah. And if it's something like Carrie that he's written 35 years ago. He's not going to have a great deal of memory of the actual nuances of the stuff he put in there. Imagine in that man's mind. Oh, my God. It would be a scary fucking place. I think, yeah. What are the, I reckon he'd be completely zen. He just has a... I, I reckon he's extremely intelligent. Oh, yeah. That's my thing. I think, I think Stephen King is one of those guys that just transcends the rest of us. Yeah. You know, like, he really is... It, our kids will be talking about him yep. in the way we talk about people like Hemingway and Fitzgerald. Yeah. You know, they existed in our world. Yeah. You know, like, they were people. Yeah. You know, but they, they existed in a world that we know. Yep. You know, like Dickens existed in a world that we will have no concept of. The no, Industrial we, Revolution. We got nothing. We, we will never, ever have anything like that happen again, no. barring an apocalypse. You know? Yeah. So it, it's hard to grasp who they were as people and not. Um, give them sort of like a divine representation. Yep. Whereas people like Stephen King, to me, will be like to our kids, or maybe to our kids' kids, Yeah, probably. Someone, like probably a Hemi- someone like a Hemingway, you know, or a Fitzgerald, like The Great Gatsby is one of my favourite books. Yep. I love that novel. But it's, it's it, it has been put on a pedestal of, of in literature where people go, no, this is what we call literature. We will hold this up and say, these are works of art. Yeah. This is fiction and it's amazing and it's entertaining and it's awesome and it's the lifeblood of of imagination. But it's not the catcher in the rye. Yeah, but exactly right. You know, it's it's not this. You know, it's not the old man in the sea. Yeah. You know, so, which are modern classics. Yeah. And it's not as a killer mockingbird sort of. No, you know, so, or, or, you know, even things like uh, In Cold Blood. Yep. You know, like that that spawned the true crime genre. Yeah. Which is huge now. And there are some amazing books in that. Yeah. Amazing. Like, it, it, the whole Australian TV industry existed alone on true crime stories for, what, well, t- 10 years. Yeah, pretty much. Underbelly kept Australian TV interesting for a long time. You know, and like things like uh, Blue Murder. Did you yep. see Blue Murder? Yeah, the miniseries based yeah. on Italian Huckstep and all them. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. Um, Nettie Smith. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, was it? Ron Lefecci and all those guys, yeah. yeah. You know, like, it's... Which was sort of a proto-underbelly. Chopper! Yep. 
one of Australia's most acclaimed films. It's a fucking true crime book. Yeah. And none of those things exist without Truman Capone. Absolutely. You know, so I, I think Stephen King is one of those guys that's... I think James Patterson's there as well. A lot of people are going to... Oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. <laughs> it's the day for it. Um, a lot of these things are going to exist in in folklore and legend. Yeah. Now. You know, but James, oh, that's what I was saying before my phone rang. Um, <laughs> James Patterson, a lot of people think that he's just a pop writer, he's a hack. He's um, and I quite like a lot I of his th- stuff. I think because now he, he, he writes with people now. Yeah. He doesn't do what he did before. Like, like my, one of my favorite books of his is Kiss the Girls. Oh, I've got yes. a, I've got a first edition hardcover oh, wow. of his signed. That's impressive. Of his, and I've got, um, uh, the Jewel in My Crown is a first edition of Kerry. Sign. Very old. Really, really good book. Yeah. Like, I collect first editions yeah. now. And, like, James Patterson will be one of those dudes for me, even though, like, at the back end of his career, he hasn't done what's like Stephen King went through this thing of, like, he was amazing. Then he flattened out because he was an alcoholic. Yeah. He was just pumping stories out. And and that's that, why they sing so flat. And that's why we got things like The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon from a Buick 9, all those sorts of that sort of late 90s, early 2000s stuff that is fine. Yeah. But isn't of the same level of your stands, your shinings, your carries, your yeah. miseries. And I think now, like, he's done that thing where he's just kicked it into a second gear. And his last four or five books have been brilliant. Yeah. Like, they've caught a lot of flack from his 70s fans. Yeah, from his core fans. Because it's like, this isn't Stephen King. I was like, well, actually, I can assure you it is. Yeah. Because it was written by the man. Yeah. So, whether you like it or not, it, it doesn't fucking matter, mm. you know? Actually, I do want to say one, one thing about... Um, comics. Okay. Because I was listening to a podcast on the way up here, and it was they were talking about the Dark Knight three. Yep. And one of the guys was saying that he hated it. Oh no, not he really hated it. He wasn't looking forward to it. Dark Knight three. Uh, the the uh, Frank Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, the Sorry, master I jumped, race. I jumped to like, what? Hang on, we're talking about the movie being shit or the upcoming comic. Yeah, the, no, the, the, comic. the master race. Yep. Right and. Saying that uh, Strikes Again was you know one of the worst books, it was crap and all this sort of stuff. Not an unfair estimation. That's right. So for a lot of people, it's like if I pick up this comic book and I read it and it's shit, it's shit. Put it on the shelf. When I was reading that book, and this leads into DK three, when I was reading Strikes Again, I I really got from it who Frank Miller was. Yeah, because that that book, sorry to jump all over you, is basically the story of a man losing his shit. Yes. But not Batman losing his shit. 100%. If you read that, you can plot where Frank Miller's at throughout that whole thing. And you know what happens during that book, don't you? 9-11. Yeah. 100% it does. And you can tell the page where it's... Yeah, it's Superman and and, and Supergirl. Yep. It's where they're standing over the buildings. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really look at it as a... um, Almost like a Van Gogh. Where... Okay. You... Like the, the, the image of Van Gogh where he cuts his ear off. Yep. And it's literally a depiction of a man who has lost his mind. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I get from Frank Miller as he goes along. And I got from that. And what I'm hoping to get from this, from DK3, is that like, yeah, look, as a Batman story, if you want to put this down and be like, you know, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again, Long Halloween, R.I.P., fuck, a host of others, it doesn't hold up. No. It's not, but if you take it as... Frank Miller's statement on the world around him at the through time. the eyes of Batman. Yeah. It's a pretty fucking good book. Like, it, if uh, so you have to, there's two ways of judging it. It's like, 
How is it as a DC comic book with Batman in it? Well, it's shit. Yeah. There's no ways about that. But if you hand it to someone who's not a comics fan and say, what do you think of this piece of art? What does it tell you? Yeah. It tells me a lot. I got a lot more from that than I got from Dark Knight Returns. Now, Dark Knight Returns is the perfect comic book to me. It's one of the best books I've ever read. Yep. I'm a huge fan of it. Yep. Along with that and The Killing Joke. Yep. Massive, massive fans. Which I think a lot of people jump on that bandwagon because it's just the done thing. And that's why I think a lot of people go, well, I don't want to hear about those anymore because they're, they're all over everything. Mm. But you're right. They are two of the most perfect examples of a comic book you'll ever come across. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, no matter what your Batman continuity is, the final Batman story is Dark Knight Returns. Yes. Without doubt. Without a doubt. And, and Dark Knight Strikes Again is the, this is what could happen. Yeah. You know, th- that's, that's, the, um, that's the epilogue to the Dark Knight Returns. It's the, yeah. it's not real, but it, could fuck, be. this shit could happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could have that shit with Carrie Kelly something becoming a cat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. And that's that's the way I saw it. But I'm, I'm really excited for DK3. I'm mostly indifferent towards it because, and it's for both those reasons that I'm both in, indifferent towards it and keen for it. Mm. Because I want to see where Frank Miller's mind's at now and what he's going to come out with. Yes. Yes. I want to see if he's gotten even crazier from Strikes Back. Or if he's actually pulled his shit together and he's gone back to something sort of caliber of your Dark Knight Returns, his run on Daredevil, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I don't think he will ever go back to that. I don't think so either. But it's just interesting to see that sort of dichotomy between what he did mm. and what he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The spirit. It's all... That's oh. just moving on from that. And to see where this thing's going to go. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to run out and go month to month to month to month to month. No, no. I'll pick it up on a train I'll pick up a train. Yeah. Because... Like the whole the whole thing for me of picking a book up month to month is like I can't wait. It's like well you have waited. You've waited four weeks. Yeah. So you you do already wait. Don't don't be under, under any illusion. You're getting it right now because you're not. No. You have to wait a month. Yep. So the whole thing month to month for me is a collector mentality. Yep. And that's but why the, I, that's why I stopped doing that. But the books now are never going to be worth anything. No. It, that that era is gone. Yeah. Jim Lee ruined that for everyone. You know what I mean? Like Jim Lee, yeah, Tom McFarlane, right. yeah. th- those guys were the last ones on that bandwagon. There, you know, you you you'll have your Walking Dead's. Yep. But I don't think Walking Dead number one will ever come near any of those other books that are big, like a final, a Fantasy fifteen. Yep. Uh, you know, a Detective twenty seven. Like even even a Detective three fifty nine, first Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Like yeah. Those sorts of icon yeah. comics that at the time nobody was actually collecting and maintaining these things. That's why they're worth so much. That's right. What's it's the sort of... numbers? It's not the content. It's the numbers. That's right. And because. Suddenly, that sort of late 80s mentality of, let's collect everything. And then in the 90s, it's like, everything's going to be worth a billion dollars because all your Star Wars toys are expensive. Mm. And then that's why when everybody ran out, and this is what I was saying, I think, last week on, on the show, when everybody ran out and bought a billion and one toys for Force Awakens, it was like, oh my God, the merchandise is out. And I'm like, but you don't know if you're going to like any of these characters. Why do you want to do the stuff? Yeah. Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 2001 all over again. I oh, know, right? Um, but yeah, no, it's absolutely right. The... They're not worth. They're not going to be worth squat. Like, like, you're, you, like you say, you're Walking Dead number one. <coughs> not going to. You're probably going to get a decent. Well, walking Walking Dead number one goes for quite a lot of money if yep. you get a, a, a first printing because no one ever th- knew what that book would be. And again, people didn't do the bag and bought on that because it's like, well, it's an image book and it's about zombies. Well, it's the same as the first run, like the original print run of the Eastman and Laird stuff for Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that. Yeah, that similar sort of. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's right. going to care. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's a great book. Cool. I like to read it, but. Yep. You know? So the people that did hold on to it, like, I've got a Walking Dead number one. Yep. Um, which I bought off the shelf. And, because I like zombies. You know? And I, I like horror stuff. So I, I bought it. 
And I didn't bag and board it. No. It went on a pile. I've still got it. It's now in a bag and board, but yeah. it's not in great condition anymore. Because it was in that pile. Because so. it, it sat. Yep. You know? And I think a lot of people would have done that. But high grade ones go for thousands of dollars. Oh, really? But they'll never go for hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. There will never be a, action an Action Comics, comics number, number one. one again. That will never exist, you know? Like, like in the 90s when McFarlane put out Spider-Man and Jim Lee did X-Men yep. as like... These are the two biggest names in comic books, and they are working on the two biggest characters in comic books. We're going to make a squillion dollars here. But yeah, the artists did because they sold millions of copies, but you guys, you have pulp. Yeah. <laughs> you, that book yep. you bought for you know, $1.99 or whatever it was at the time is now worth pulp. It's now worth about 50 cents. Yeah, you know, it's actually cheaper than a roll of toilet paper. Yeah. You know, it's it's not worth it. They're beautiful books. They're What's beautiful it? books. I've got a Spider-Man number one, Tom McFarlane, and I've got an X-Men number one, Jim Lee. They're beautiful books. Their art is amazing. Is that the, that's the Claremont one with Magneto on the cover? Yes. I've got that signed by Chris Claremont. It's not, not even going to hit three figures for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's what I mean. Because it, it, there was, I think... Um, Spider-Man number one sold three million copies. Yeah. And that was in an age where people went, we need a bag and board shit. Yeah. So, those, well, so like, every one of those copies went in a bag and board somewhere. You can go go and buy a fucking mint condition one for 50 bucks. I got maybe my, 100. My, um, my X-Men number one that I bought ahead of Chris Claremont when he was here a couple of years ago, I think I got for $35 and it's in very good condition. There you go. I bought it from a bookshop near my work. Yeah. They had it framed. How good is that? Like, I, I've got a uh, stumbling across a comic book story. Yep. I found a giant size X Men. Number one. Yeah. The, the, the annual. Yeah. And have a guess how much I paid for it. Oh, it's not much. Two dollars. Wow. Put it for two dollars. Yeah. Story. Uh, Lifeline in England. Yeah. Yep. That's why I. I we don't have that here. We don't have generally lo- like your your um, like antique stores or thrift stores or whatever that have yeah. books and comics and stuff. We don't get a lot of comics here that, that just go into like those sort of bins. You don't you normally buy them from like a dollar bin at a comic store. Yeah, the, it, the books that you get at those is the full run of the Virginia Andrews. Yeah, or the Phantom. Yeah, yeah, or a Simpsons comic book. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. Um, but you don't get DC titles no. or anything like that. Um, and I was in England, and I walked past, and I just, corner my eye, caught this thing of comic books, and I went, I'll have a look. Yeah. Went in there. Just see what you find. Yeah. Grabbed a couple of old Batmans, like 80s, 70s, 80s stuff, Batmans. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got uh, a copy from Hard Traveling Heroes. Oh, nice. Um, and I found this X-Men book, and I looked at it, and I was like, this looks terribly familiar. I know this book. What the fuck is it? And I went, I went blank. I had no no reception on my phone because I was overseas, obviously. And I yeah. didn't have like any. You didn't have like an O2 sim or whatever. No, nothing like that. And I'm like, I love X Men. I'm just going to buy it anyway. Yeah. And so the whole thing, I got five books or six books, or whatever. And I paid ten bucks. Yeah. So two dollars a book. Yeah. And when I got home, I, I kept it in my suitcase. Didn't look at it again. Yeah, didn't think and about when it. When I got home, I'm packing, like put it in my stuff, and I was like, "What is this book?" I just googled. Um, popular X Men titles. It was the first fucking time. giant size X Men number one. Fuck! Look what I just did. Yeah, <laughs> look what I just did. And it's worth like seven hundred bucks or something like that at the time. Yes, yeah. more than that now. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, because there's been a massive spike in everything because of the current the movies. world we live in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I've got. I'd mentioned Detective Three Fifty Nine before. First appearance, Barbara Gordon. I bought that for one hundred and fifty. At the time, it was a $450 comic. Mm. I spoke to a comic retailer at Supernova this year, 
And I said, what's that worth now? And I showed him, because I've got a photo of the copy of mine. He's like, that will get you about 700 bucks. Whoa. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, in two years. He's like, yep. Because of the movies that we're going to segue into talking about very shortly. Mm. Because suddenly it's cool to be a nerd. Yeah. Yeah, it totally is now. Growing up in high school in Foster, oh God, that's the guy that reads X-Men and watches Star Trek. Let's pick on him the whole way through. Yeah. Now it's like, I yeah. Yeah. Hey man, did you see that episode of? Uh, did have you watch Daredevil yet? Yeah, you know, yeah, like prime example. Yeah, like my mum watched Daredevil. I couldn't imagine my mum watching Daredevil. <laughs> I mean, like my mum loves Guardians though. My mum didn't see it. Well, actually, my mum loves the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, she likes Thor. <laughs> no, um, my mum had to watch. Had to. She got to watch Guardians when she was here a few months ago because my kids love it. Okay, and they're like, "Nan, we're gonna watch Guardians." And mum's like, what the bloody hell's Guardians? I'm like, you'll see. Mm. And she, she got to the bit with Groot, where he's baby Groot dancing at the end. Yeah. She's like, oh, is that, is that that little tree you've got over on the shelf there? Because I've got a little dancing okay. Groot. I'll show you after we're done. Um, yeah, she's like, oh, I want like the dancing tree movie. That's my mum's logic. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had, oh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, well, we may as well just segue straight into it, because I don't okay. think we've got much else left. Yeah. Because we've gone 50 minutes before we've even hit. Main topic, really. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, boys can talk. Yeah, so we are going to talk about Marvel movies and DC movies and just nerdy movies and compare the two. And yeah. With us, we'll probably just go around the Mulberry Bush and just yeah. come out with some stuff. Now, I have no idea where to start this, but you watched Iron Man today. Yes, I watched it this morning. You watched it this morning in prep of coming up, I assume. Yeah. How long had it been since you'd seen it? Oh, six months. Oh, right. I, I, I've watched that movie a you lot. you watched that movie a lot? Okay. Yeah. But still, Yeah. Now, I, I'm still I'm still amazed that it holds up, like considering how old it is and because it was what... 2008, wasn't it? <coughs> Seven or eight, something like that. It yeah. came out. I think it didn't. It, it came out between um, Batman Begins and Dark Knight. Yeah, it fell smack in between them. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of people credit Iron Man with starting the modern MCU. You know, it's it's the this is where. What exists now really started to happen. Technically, yeah, because that was the first one that Marvel themselves were responsible for. That's right. Because you've had like your X Men movies, which let's face it, I love X Men. Hit and miss of those films, though. Yeah, they're really great. All that shit. There's no in between. Yeah. Um, so you've had those that really started like the whole comic thing, but yeah. So I love it. I think it holds up really, really well. Um, my favorite line watching it now is in the very beginning when you know it's that ACDC. Dun, and they're riding along in the jeep, yep. and he's like, he, he's talking to the to the soldiers in there. Yep. And he takes the photo, and yep. he goes, "I don't want to see this on your MySpace page." Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" But at the MySpace. time, though, even in two thousand and eight, MySpace was pretty well done. I think two thousand and eight was when it was done. Yeah, because I finished high school a few years before that. Yep, and MySpace was. It. Yep. Like Facebook was just starting yep. to get here, but MySpace was the shit. It was like, you know, who's in? Who have you got in your top ten? Yeah. Who's in your top eight spaces? Yeah. What's top the, eight. That's it. What's what have you got in your about me? What yeah. fun quizzes and videos of you? What's your theme? Yeah. <laughs> what song comes on when you go on your page? Oh. Stuff like that. You know. And you know, how did we ever think that was cool? I don't know, man. How was that ever a thing? I don't know. Mine was. Um, I had Breathe by Prodigy yep. for a while, and then I had um, Cowboys from Hell. Yep. I think for a long time I had Wish I Had an Angel from Nightwish. Okay. Yeah, and then um, 
couple other different things, but yeah. Yeah, at, at, one, at one point I did have um, Big Popper. Nice. Because I'm a huge, I'm a, I love, I'm a big Biggie Smalls fan. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's one of my favorite things. It's like, you know, it's, it's not that old, but it contextually it is. Yeah. Like to make a MySpace reference in a film, it sounds so stupid because we lived in a world where social media didn't exist. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what's social media? Who gives a shit? But to people that are, say, 10 years younger than us, like, what the fuck is MySpace? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. A social, as a social, uh, a social commentary, it's quite, it's quite funny to see how far we've come in less than ten years. Yeah. That a comment made by a film character is not relevant anymore, and it's not even been ten years. Yeah, you know, like, not even in the way things kind of date. It's yeah, completely. Yeah, like by the time that film came out, that statement was dated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so like when they were filming it, MySpace was probably the darks nuts. Yeah, but by the time it came out, it was gone. Yeah, right. You know, so that like that that really struck me this morning. But it's a it's an amazing film. Yeah, there there is I can't fault that movie. I, there's 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 very little plot holes in it, which is very strange for a comic movie. Like even like after that, all the Marvel films they've got plot holes in them. You just ignore them because they're good. Yes, but in that there's not a lot of yeah. You're right. There's really not a great deal wrong with it. Yeah, I have some issues, some very minor issues with um, Pepper Potts' portrayal. Yeah. And just the way she delivers some of those lines, she just sounds like an abstract, like, Dandel in distress slash bimbo. Yeah. In some of those, like, like, what a is a fuck. Exactly. So, <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but yeah. Like, the bit where um, they're breaking into the facility at the end. And she, he goes, he puts a little explosive, oh, is that some sort of device that's going to unlock the door? What's that going to, oh, where are we going? Bang. Yeah. I'm sorry, that one line lowers the complete average of that whole film for me. Really? Yeah, just that one bit with her where she goes, the rest of this whole thing has been credible enough like we were saying about the mm. Batmans where it could feasibly, mm. if you've got a squillion dollars, you can do it. That one bit though, that just takes me out of the movie every time. Yeah. Yo, know, Iron Man is Marvel's everyman. Yeah. You know, He's every man, in a suit. if you were a billionaire. It's yeah. the same as Bruce Wayne is DC's one. Yeah. It's like, yeah, look, if you were mentally scarred enough and you had enough money... You could do this. It is possible. Yeah. It's not probable, but it's possible. Yeah. Iron Man is the exact same thing. If you're a genius and a billionaire, this is possible. Yeah. You know, because unmanned spacecraft is real. Yeah. It happens. Drones fly over Newcastle all the time. Yeah. You know, it is real. So it is feasible to build one that has a person in it. Yeah. You know, it, 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 that's what I liked about the Iron Man films because I, I didn't, I had the only. Iron Man reference I had leading into that movie was Shellhead. Yep. That was it. Which they didn't use until Age of Ultron. Which I loved. I lost my shit in the film when yep, I saw that. she says that it's so in passing. Yeah. As if she's always said it. Yeah, exactly right. It's as if she's been saying it the whole time. Yeah, as if it's been the thing and then she just drops it while she's driving that truck. Yeah, it's not like at the end where Steve Rogers goes, Avengers, cut to black. Yeah. Where it's like... Just fucking say it. Yeah, but it, but it, but if he did say it, he can't say that off the cuff. It can't be Avengers Assemble. Yeah. It has to be a grandiose statement, yeah. whereas she was like... Relax, like, Shellhead. Yeah, relax, Shellhead. You know, it was like, shut up, idiot. We're busy. Yeah, we got this. Yeah. Pipe the fuck down. <laughs> exactly right. I really like that. But I I thought about this when, when we when we spoke about what we were talking about on the show, about, you know, Marvel versus DC, stuff like that. And the, the general consensus about the MCU is that... Iron Man 1 started the comic book films as yeah. we know them now. Now, I am of a differing opinion, and I credit uh, Batman Begins. Yep. Because Batman Begins came out first. It did. 
And it was the very first it was time... It 18 months or so earlier. Yeah, it was 2005, yeah. 6. Uh, 5. 5. So it was a long time, because there was a big gap between that and The Dark Knight. Yeah, there really was. It was nearly 5 years. It was a long time, because Dark Knight was 2010. Holy shit, it was too. Yeah, and then it, Rises was really quick after. I think that's why it feels like there's bang, 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 because yes. the second and the third one were rapid fire. Yes. Yeah. So... But you think it was... You say it was Batman Begins. And the... the, the, the Solely for the point now, Batman Begins has a lot more plot holes than Iron Man. Oh fuck it's, yes! It's not as if you're putting two films up against each other. It's definitely the weaker film. Yep. But in terms of like, uh, you know, historically or from a nostalgia point of view, it's the very first comic book film that went. Let's take this seriously yep. because the fans of this stuff are no longer children. Yep. Batman, as we know him, what Frank Miller made Batman in the Dark Knight. Yep. He's not for kids anymore. No. Kevin Conroy will always exist in Batman. That's a kid's Batman. The rest of the people, the people with money, want this Batman. Yep. And he did it. And don't get me wrong, I love Kevin Conroy's Batman. I love that shit. 100%. But he's not the serious Batman that everyone was like, um, Michael Keaton is going to be, oh my God, they're doing this so seriously. And everyone thought that was serious compared to Val Kilmer. Yeah. In 1989, they compared that to Adam West. Yes. Yes. And when the, when when you've got Tim Burton coming along doing his thing with fucking uh, Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And Batman using a gun. And Batman using a gun. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Just, breathe. Breathe. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, when you've got that compared to Adam West, you go, well, this is the most earnest Batman story we're ever going to get. Yeah, and then it it's went dark. It's raining. He's brooding. Yeah, then it went to Batman Returns, which he's just killing people left, right, and center. Mm. And then it went to the cartoons. Yeah, from Schumacher. Yeah, which a point I like to make about Batman Forever is that if you look at that as a follow up to those two films, yeah, it's not so great. If you look at that as what they were doing in the nineties with remaking all these sixty shows in movies, mm. if you look at that as a loving remake slash tribute to the Bill Dozier of Adam West stuff, mm. that's actually a really fun way to look at that film to make it less painful. Yeah, the only Batman film I don't particularly like, like I like Forever. Yeah, so do I. I quite like it. I I was right in at the age when that came out of where I, I imagine kids are now with the Avengers. Yeah, like you know, I was in year seven in high school when that film dropped. There you go. So I, I was, I think I might have been in year five or five or six in primary school. Yeah. So I was right into like, oh my god, there's a Batman action figure. I want Batman. Batman's gonna be on TV. Oh my god, you can get cups from Maccas with Batman on it. You got like, the little glasses. That, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I actually since went back and bought. Yeah, right. I've, still, I've still got my Riddler one somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got all of them. Yeah, Two Face Riddler and Batman. Yeah, was it um, only the three? I think it was only three. Yeah, yeah right. Um, was Robin's not going to get one? No, the only one I had a problem with was Batman and Robin. Well, everyone did. Uh, I actually watched that yesterday. Yeah, it, it's 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 it doesn't stand up as a film on its own. No, let alone as a Batman film. No. As a film, it's not good. No, you know, and everyone sort of crashes it for like, oh, that's campy Batman. But I was like, yeah, but we know Batman's campy. Yeah, he wears fucking leather. He wears leather and he dresses as a bat and runs around and beats people up. Come yeah, on. yeah, he is camp. Yeah, you know, he's he's a brooding camp man, but, but he's he is. still camp. But that film just doesn't stand up on its own. No, I watched it yesterday because my four year old loves Batgirl. Okay. Because, you know, why not? And yeah. she's like, Dad, what have we got with Batgirl? We watch Batgirl. I'm like, oh, I suppose. Yeah. And my four-year-old and my six-year-old loved the shit out of that film. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and I could see that. Yeah. Because you don't turn to a four-year-old and a six-year-old and ask them for a, a critique on a film. No, you go, that was bright and colourful and Batman fought the baddies. Yeah. And he won. Yeah. You know? And I used to see you. Yeah, tonight's forecast. 
A freeze is coming. Yeah. I was yeah. saying all those lines at the same time to my daughter. She thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and like, you know, like the banging the boots together and the blades the coming blades, Oh, the ice skates. You know, yeah. like, you know, Batman and Robin having an ice hockey fight. Yeah. Like, I could just imagine, like, a million Canadians going, fucking hey. Yeah. You know, like... Or a million, um, a million Adam West fans going, yes. Yeah. This is what we want from my Batman. This is what we want. Yes. <laughs> this is the Batman. None, none of this bloating angry. No. <laughs> you know... Why can't he smile? Yeah. Like Batman used to dance. Why do you know that? Where did his accent? I don't know. Why did we just go German why, and gay? Why is he? Why is he gay Germans? Oh, well, to be fair, have you seen that movie? Yeah. <laughs> bat nipples, bat cord pieces. Come on. Yeah. So anyway, Batman yeah. begins. Batman the, begins. That's the kickoff for me. Yeah. No, because it took it seriously. Yeah, and, 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 and like I said, if you put Batman and Iron Man up against each other, Iron Man wins every time. But. I, you don't get to Iron Man without Batman Begins. That's right. You know, it's it's all... like Where we're at now in this... Where we've got this... An MCU. We have a cinematic universe. Yeah, which... We'll rattle off exactly what's in it in a minute. Yeah. But we, we have a universe of films that exists now. Which hasn't really happened in any other film genre where it's just like... This whole thing happens in a, in a teacup. Yeah, because it used to be... Here's your X-Men movies... Here's your Spider-Man movies. Mm. Here's your Batman movies. Here's your Superman. And they happened in the world as we know it. Whereas the MCU has gone, no, 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 no. This is the Marvel world. Yeah, this is all So together. when you're watching... Um, or when Yeah. Or when, yeah. yeah, they talk about New York all the time. Yep, and yep. the incident. Yeah, the incident in and New York. And the invasion. Yeah. yeah, that's all they talk about. They don't... And they talk about rebuilding and... That's right. Property prices here are, you know, they're so affordable now because of the incident. Because of what happened. Yeah, you know, like... That's what makes it a cinematic universe. Is that you can pick up any one of these films and go, "What incident?" Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh shit! There's a movie about that incident. Yeah, but but the other thing is though, it's in such passing that if you're not looking for it, you just go enjoy those ten episodes, <coughs> thirteen episodes, or what they are. You don't have to watch them chronologically either. And I think this is why the whole nature of the the overall universe appeals to me because as a comic fan, as a comic reader. That happens in the comics. Mm. You will get a passing reference to something that happened somewhere else, but you don't need to know that story. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's, it's like some some of my favorite some of my favorite comic books have things where like um, Green Arrow will show up in a Batman comic for a page. Yeah, and just go. I'm going to lend your hand with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or like it's Batman. Just he just needs to know something. It's like I know you've dealt with this dude. Tell me this, yeah, and then he's gone again. Yeah, you know that that is what Marvel have done really well. Yeah, you can't say DC hasn't because they haven't started yet. And I think this is the problem because DC have gone, fuck it. Oh no, Iron Man and all of those, all that stuff's working so well. We're gonna have to now. I think they're playing scramble. They're playing catch up, mm. which they don't necessarily need to do. Mm. That's why they're going. Fuck it. Here's Superman. Buggy up. Throw in Batman. Next film's Justice League. Yeah, I think they've. Tried to hit it too hard, too fast, mm. and with Man of Steel being the disappointing film that it was, mm. I think I liked Man of Steel. I I liked it, but it's not it's not a Superman story. See, I, I I thought the opposite. Yeah, I thought it was very much a Virgin Superman story, and that's probably the better way to look at it. Because and that and that's what the story is. It, it, it is how Kal El becomes, or actually how Clark becomes Superman. Yeah. Like, that battle, like, you have to remember, that battle where he tears down Metropolis, that's that's his first first fucking fight. Yeah. You can't expect him to be like, no, 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 hold that building up, laser eyes, stand that up, 
burn that girder so it doesn't fall down, yep. stop that train, catch that baby. He doesn't know those things no, yet. No, and he learns that over time. And that's so when I when when they announced the Batman vs Superman, I fell in love with um, the Man of Steel more because I went, I, I think, get this now. I think that's the same thing that's happened for a lot of people. It's the Batman Begins of the of the DCU. Yeah, it's because Batman Begins didn't sort of blow up in the way the Dark Knight did. No, because Dark, Dark Knight here was Batman. He was he was the Joker. The other question is, did Dark Knight only erupt as massively as it did because Heath Ledger died? No. No, because the lead-up to it were, was amazing. Like, he died during the lead-up. Yeah. But the Dark Knight did something really well in that they did what every film does now, and they peppered the world with spots. Yeah. They didn't run huge, big ads on television and prime time. They did things like they bought ads on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, MySpace. They did. So they that, had the websites that, you, that were just like, here's the Gotham Pizza website, here's the... Is the website for the, the fucking fairy <coughs> timetable. So everywhere you went, you you just saw a three-second clip. You want to know where I got these scars? Yeah. You know what I mean? That was it. Yeah. That was all you heard. And then it went away. Yep. You know, that, that was it. And then you, you, you like, like in uh, with the Dark Knight Rises, you saw the blowing up of the stadium. Yeah. And then it was, like, the Dark Knight Rises in that, doosh, 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 the name flashes across the screen. It's yeah. Gone. And then you hear, like, or you'll hear a spot with Bane in it. Yeah. And they just pepper you just enough to be like, oh my God, this is going to be fucking amazing. The same way Star Wars did. They went, here's a picture. Yep. Here's another picture. Here's a sound bite. Yep. Oh, remember this sound? That's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Remember this sound? You know, and then they went, oh, by the way, we've got some footage now. Yeah. You know, they, they, Zack Snyder's really good at that as well. But I think, um, JJ Abrams, is the master of that yep. because he's so he's so tight lipped about his films yeah. that he even controls what gets out. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He it's like the, the the secrecy surrounding surrounding that second Star Trek film was ridiculous. Yeah, it's the same as Star Wars. We know nothing. Yeah, and I'm and I prefer that. Yeah, but we know nothing. Like ever, like a lot of people are like Star Wars is gonna be awesome. I'm like Star yeah. Wars is gonna do well at the box office because it's Star Wars. Yeah, it could still be shit. Yeah, because the last three films we had were shit. Don't yep. ever forget that, guys. Yeah, that's what I keep reminding people. It'll still be the biggest film of all time. Yeah, it's going to do $2 billion. Without a doubt. But that's going to be because it's Star Wars, not because it's good. Yeah. It'll do $4 billion if it's good. Yeah. You know, people will keep going back to watch it because it's good. It's like Avengers. Yeah. When Avengers came out, there was heaps of hype, heaps of money spent. Every bastard went to see it a bunch of times. Yeah, it just kept going up because people kept going back to see it. Hindsight, it's not that great. No, it's a kid's film. Yeah. That's 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 my. I'll start this whole conversation with a preface of I don't like the Marvel universe. Okay. Because it is for children. Yep. It is not a piece of cinematic opera. Yep. It is literally dudes in colorful suits jumping around. Yep. That is all it is. They are fun. Yep. They are not great movies. I don't think any of them. I would go. Oh my god, that's one of the best films I've ever seen. None of them are the Godfather. None of them are. I. The only comic book movie I ever put up there in that is The Dark Knight. Yeah. And that's only because of what Heath Ledger did in that film. Yeah. He made that film something, something outside of comic books. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? He he brought something to that film in the same way Brando did to The Godfather. Yeah. You know, or you can't like, really pinpoint what it is, but it's there. Yeah. The fact that whatever he's doing in that is amazing. Yeah. You know, it's... It, 
it's the only comic book movie so far for me. And look, I'm a comic book fan. Yeah. I love comic book films and you know, I have statues and toys and all that shit. Yeah. But I take them for what they are. Yeah. You know, I'm an adult now. Yep. It's not my life. Yep. So I look at them and I'm like, fuck, that's a fun movie. Yeah. Like I watched um, Age of Ultron last night. Yeah. Because um, I knew we were coming in. I thought, I'll, I'll watch a couple. Yep. And I watched that. I watched Iron Man. And my, my favorite one's actually um, uh, the, the second Thor. Dark World. Yeah. Dark World. Loved it. I quite, I really enjoy that film too. Yeah. It's, a it's, lot of people shit all over it. It's the one that I can put on and watch from start to finish every time. Yep. I love it. Um, that and Age of Ultra. I think Age of Ultra was really good. It was really, really good. It was much, um, it was much more appealing in that you can see... Age of Ultron is what they were aiming at. Yeah. It's, it really is the culmination of, of your first two phases of several shots being taken. It's like, it's like firing 10 missiles and they all hit their target at the same time. Yep. And that's what Age of Ultron was to me. Like Ultron is the best character in the, in to me in the DCU. He's the most fun. In the MCU. MCU, sorry. He's the most fun. He's got the best character. He really is Tony Stark as a robot. Yeah. You know, like he's got a lot of humor yeah. in him because he's he's an AI, but he's based himself on Tony Stark. Yeah, you know, and it's, he's a really interesting character. Um, you know, obviously, there's other great ones out there. Like, t- to be fair, if I if I was to say what's my favorite character, Black Widow. Yeah, she's my favorite. If she doesn't get a fucking Marvel movie. By phase three, I'm just going to stop watching them. Yeah. She has to get her own film, especially because they gave us a glimpse into her life in, in Ultron. Yep. You know, I hated the love story in Ultron. Yeah, it didn't no, need to be there. No. It, it wasn't necessary because the Hulk leaves anyway. Yeah. You know? Whatever's so, going to happen, Bruce Banner's fucking off regardless. <coughs> and he does. Yep. And he does. You know, and she's disappointed. And, and But then when you, they, they panned to the next shot of her being disappointed, I was like, What's the point of that? Yeah. It didn't add anything to the story. No. All it did was give credibility to the lullaby. That's about it, yeah. That's all it does. But that doesn't need credibility. He's the Hulk. Nothing about him is credible. No. No, And everyone knows that. It's the reason the Hulk doesn't work in a standalone film. He's not a credible character. He's your... He's the... He's your big gun you shoot. He he is the epitome of there will always be a bigger hammer. Have you ever heard that statement? Yeah. No matter how big your hammer is, there will always be a bigger hammer. Yeah. He's the bigger hammer. People don't carry it around all the time. But when you need to use it... You bring it out. It's like going back to the first Iron Man film. The line he says, they say the best weapon is the weapon you never have to fire. I say the best weapon you have to fire is the weapon you only have to fire once. Yeah. And that's the Hulk. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's like, just know we've got him. We have an army. Yeah. We have a Hulk. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's right there in the line. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and if they continue to use him that way, he will be one of their most successful characters. Because the best part of Age of Ultron is the... Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know, and then alternatively, the Hulk Buster punches the Hulk out the same way the Hulk punches, punches out, out Loki. Uh, punches, oh, yeah. But you meant the way that he clobbered Thor. No, the, sorry. You're right. It is Thor. You're right. You know, my mistake. It is Thor. It's the from off camera. Boom! Hulkbuster does the same thing. Veronica. Yeah. Does the same thing to him. I love that because his missus is supposed to be Betty. Betty Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Betty and Veronica. I like that too. Yeah. I thought that was incredibly well done. But yeah. No. You're right though with that whole the love the love story just felt tacked on. It wasn't necessary. I, I think it really was. Uh, I think that was a part of. Um, Scarlett Johansson's management team. Yeah. Being like, you need to give her more screen time. Give her something to do. There's her 
and Jennifer Lawrence are the most famous human beings on earth. Yeah. If you don't start giving her screen time, she's Gen- not going to do it anymore. Yeah. You know, it's the same as it's the same as um, Tony Stark. So in Age of Ultron, right? Yep. Does this really fucking stupid thing? They've just broken into something secured by the ta- by uh, the Loki Pokey stick. Yep. Right. That's what I call it. Even Thor can't get through it. Yeah. Right. So it's the mo- it's probably the most secure place on the planet, other than the Avengers, um, fucking tower. Yeah. Right. Which is, it turns out not so secure. secure. <laughs> you know. But he breaks in. He's the first one in. Out of the suit. Walks out of the suit. The fuck does he get out of the suit for? So you can see Robert Downey Jr. Exactly right. He doesn't need to get out of the suit. No. He can do all that. He can just say Jarvis. Get in that computer for me. Yeah. yeah. Was They've obviously yeah. got Wi-Fi here. Yeah. You know? They've obviously got Wi-Fi. Yeah. Just get in there. If they've got a force field, they've got Wi-Fi. Yeah. Which would have been much quicker than... Yeah. We've been much quicker than that, you know? And, it's, and But then he even he even, he even even talks back to the suit in sentry mode. Scan the room for me. I need to know where the door is. Please be a secret wall. Please be a secret door. Please be a secret door. And as fun yes. as that scene is... He's out of the suit. Yeah, he doesn't need to be. It's the same as fucking Spider-Man. Mm. Every time that mask comes off, in any of those five films they've done, the mask comes off extraneously. Yeah, it doesn't need to. It doesn't... Everyone knows, you know, the character is Spider-Man. And I get it, like, Bruce Wayne and Iron Man are probably two of the most in, important characters where both their egos are as important as the other. Yeah. Bruce Wayne is just as important in the DCU as Batman is. Yeah. Same way as Tony Stark is actually probably more important as Tony Stark than he is as Iron Man yeah. in the DCU. Very much so. You know, whereas Steve Rogers is nobody, no one. Nobody gives a shit about no Steve Rogers. No one cares what he does. No one. Like, you know, Pick up the shield. Different story. Yeah. Even, like, Matt Murdock's one of them. Like, yeah. Matt Murdock's important as Matt Murdock as well. Yep. But... As Daredevil, he's more important. Yeah. You know, so you could almost do away with the blind lawyer and just have him as a blind superhero. Yeah. It could still work. Whereas if you just had Iron Man, just watching a suit fly around, throwing out quips, would run out. Very quickly. You know, because the quintessential part of that character is Tony Stark. Yeah. And it's why, like... the whole thing of I am Iron Man. Yeah. It's like in, um... I can do whatever an iron can. Yeah. (laughs) I always sing that when I hear that song. I am... Iron Man, yep. I can do whatever an Iron Cat. Oh, your cat was naughty. Yes, it's not <laughs> All right, kids, we're going to put a pin in it right there because me and Vic go for another hour and a half on the topic. Uh, that was completely raw and unedited because we had so much fun and it was so long and because I've had some issues with Audacity lately. That was part one. Stay tuned for part two soon.